observations. Uh, there are many references to other horror properties, directors. You've got the town of Carpenter. Oh, yeah. You've got Sh- Sheriff Mike Garris, who's, you know, Mick Garris is the director. Um, Nancy the Camper having bad dreams. I mean, the director denies that this is a link to Nightmare on Elm Street, but, I yeah. mean, I, I, it's close. Uh, he can say what he wants. Uh, Karloff General Store, that's, you know, Carl, Boris Karloff, yeah. the Frankenstein actor. Cunningham Road, um, you know, for Sean Cunningham. Uh, Tommy cremate or trying to cremate the dead body is funny because it's the same actor for return of the living dead. And in return of the living dead, the, the zombie play gets spread by them cremating bodies. So oh my God. I think that's kind of a funny link. Um, the mythology about Jason's uh, place of death being the lake seems to retcon the series once again, because they're saying in this movie that Jason really did die in the lake. Yeah. Uh, and that's because that's where they're taking him to is where he died at. So, yeah. um, so I'm thinking in my head canon, he really did drown, but somehow he came just like Tommy. He was revived after he was technically brain dead for a few minutes or whatever. And then, you know, and then that's your technicality there. Um, let's discuss the hamsters. I mean, let's, let's, let, what do you want to say about them since we, you've got the floor here for the, your, your boys. Uh, I would like to say that Barnaby and Burgo, um, were, were the reason that the children survived. Thank you, Barnaby. You think and Burgo. they, you think they were the protectors for yes. the children. Okay. Yes. And they are both good boys. Uh, Barnaby <laughs> and Burgo also the, and I, and I named so many brotherly, brotherly, uh, animals, plants, uh, everyone gets Barnaby and Burgo when they're together because Barnaby and Burgo were a- originally the dogs, the bloodhounds that were supposed to be used to help solve uh, the um, uh, Jack the Ripper killings. However, their owner, who had the blood-sniffing hounds, uh, also a nod to our girl, Avi, who has Samuel, uh <laughs> They, they, uh, he was out of town. So Barnaby and Burgo were on vacation and they never got involved with the Jack the Ripper case. Okay. I don't know why they are so popular. (laughs) I I was wondering where those names came from, but that, okay. That's, that's, that's pretty cool. Pretty cool (laughs) link there. Uh, the songs in the movie, uh, Hard Rock Summer, Teenage Frankenstein and Man Behind the Mask. Some pretty good songs. Yeah. Uh, the Friday the 13th card game that Sissy talks about, there's actually a website you can go to. They give you all the instructions for how to play it. Uh, it's, you know, uh, pretty cool that there is such a thing that exists and the fans have came up with it based wow. on what she described. Um, visually, just talking about the movie visually, it's the best looking one of these first six. Like there's uh, hands down, like cinematically the Tom McLaughlin did a great job in this movie. He did because Uh, I feel like it took a step. I took, I feel like four improved significantly. Five took a notch back. It looked older uh, than some of the films. And then six really kicked into gear. Yeah, six looks like a full on like Hollywood production. Like I mean, the the way that the lightning, the the night, uh, most of it takes place at night, and the contrast between you know the dark and the light, and how that's care, uh, just it's across the board. It looks great. Yeah. Um, the acting is 
I, I don't know of a bad, really a bad actor in this movie. I think everybody did their part well. Um, and some of them were playing it up and hamming it up, obviously. But I mean, like you know, like Roy or whatever in his scene, and then the one guy who's going through there and you know talking about oh, stupid woman get back in the kit. But I mean, that's what they're supposed to be doing is hamming it up. So, yeah. Um. I mean, yeah, I can't fault them. I mean, even if it is overacting, it's it's with the intent of being humorous with their overacting. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and the guy that plays Tommy Jarvis, uh, Tom, is great. Uh, that's his Tommy Jarvis in this. Like he, I feel like he did a really good job as that character. Uh, he did justice to Tommy Jarvis, and not only did he do justice, but he really stuck with it. Uh, I don't think he ever hated the idea of playing Tommy. He obviously stepped in when, and you'll have, I'm sure you'll have this in trivia, when the other actor just couldn't do it anymore for his own personal reasons, and I'm sure, like I said, we'll discuss that. But he continued. He is definitely, this is the Tommy Jarvis that is Bruce, the Bruce Campbell because he keeps returning. We're talking games. We're talking movies, everything. He's in the fan film Never Hike Alone and yes. then the, the prequel. He that hits the same actor playing Tommy Jarvis in that. Yeah, and it is the one character that my son is like, Tommy Jarvis, Tommy Jarvis. Like, he is significant to this movie. Yeah, and I mean, this is the movie that I watched the most as a kid. This is the one that I rented, the one that, you know, stuck with me because it was, you know, a part four, I remember watching and it like, and, and I appreciated it for what it was, but like, this is the one that I watched. And, and I think, I, I don't, my, one of my favorite movies before, you know, like whenever I was real young was the old Frankenstein, you know, universal movie. Mm-hmm. And, Tom McLaughlin, that's one of his favorite movies, and he brought that to this movie. And I don't know if if that's what it is or what, but like I jived the same way he did with it. Like it, it just it, that's why this movie. It's like it was almost like a darker version of Frankenstein for me, and that's the reason this is the one that I that I grew up watching the most. Yeah. Um, and then I, you know, the Tommy Jarvis in this is my Tommy Jarvis. Like oh yeah. I know Corey Feldman is the one that everybody remembers because most people fondly and i can't fault him for is great but like this tommy jarvis the one i remember the most uh it is um and i'm sorry Corey feldman but no one's talking about ari lemon either (laughs) (laughs) no one's talking about the kid versions and i apologize like i know you guys were the start of it uh so no disrespect um yeah and then like of course nobody really saw part five so you know john shepherd from that one like his version of tommy jarvis is not bad but like it's it's also a different take on the character like he's you know through the whole he's very ineffectual as you know like he's not really the hero of part five at all like yeah. i mean i'm sorry but the one in, in part thing. five reminds me of uh silent night deadly night yeah yeah he really does <laughs> honestly i mean typical typical um, uh typical i don't know i guess character of the 80s yeah and i mean him like you know having this sweating all the time and then like the the thing that kills me in that movie is that you know going back and talking about his tommy jarvis is that they show all these scenes where his tommy jarvis like flies off the handle and beats the shit out of people when it comes to the end of the movie and he's face to face with roy uh, you know, like he, he, he does, he's so ineffectual. He does nothing. Pam has to do with mo- the bulk of the fighting. Yeah. And, uh, that's what pissed mm. me off about that. His version. Whereas in this one, this Tommy Jarvis, like he's the straight up 
a fucking hero. Like he's like, no, Megan, you get away. I'm going to do this myself. Uh, you know, she, she tags along anyways. And like, he's the one that like, I mean, he has to, he has to have help from her. So it brings in the final girl element, but he is the one that gets the chain around, you know, Jason's neck to, you know, put him in the water. He's got the ideas. He's helping. He's executing it. He's using her only as needed. He's an effectual. He's he he tries to be an effectual doom prophet. He's yeah. the only doom prophet that's actually trying to do something. Yes. Um. So I I just I like this Tommy Jarvis versus some of the the, the other ones that we have. Um. Megan as a final girl, I, I she's probably the least effective final girl as far as like what she actually does to the killer. But at the same time, what could she have done to this version of Jason? Like, yeah, have, I mean, you, you, you have Trish or, or Tommy in part four, they have a living guy. They, they can do damage to him. Yeah. Sheriff uh, Mike Garris unloads a shotgun into this Jason and it does nothing. Yeah. So I don't know. And she's only just meeting him too. She's heard of Jason. She's never been around him or has anyone that really has any ties to him uh, other than Tommy. Tommy has obviously dealt with Jason shit since he was a child and knows, okay, this guy's unstoppable, so I have to be fucking smart about this. Yeah, and and she is, I mean, to her, she's the one that relays the the story to the other, you know, camp counselors, but, you know, to her, Jason's just a boogeyman story that was told to her. Like, there's no, that's, you know, there's no real you know, threat there to her until like, you know, later on, like all she's got to go by is what Tommy is telling her. It sounds like a privileged, um, privileged life. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, she's the sheriff's daughter. She gets by oh, with yeah. a lot. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I give her extra points though, because she's got a cool car. Uh, <laughs> she's, you know, I mean, it's, you know, she drives the best car of all the final girls that I'm aware of. Um, she's, uh, no nonsense attitude. Like she's straight up, like, you know, uh, is getting ready to go down on Tommy right there in front of that other cop. Like she gives no, no shits about any of that stuff. And she's definitely not virginal. Like, I mean, the fact that she, he's right there between her thighs and she's like loving it. Like uh, she, she's, uh, I don't know. She's just fun. Like I, yeah. that's why I like her as a final girl. And he keeps looking at her crotch. That was so funny. <laughs> I mean, I know his head's right there, but like the, the camera really had to go there multiple times. <laughs> well, they were doing it intentionally, but yeah, it yeah. was, uh, it's kind of funny. Um, music. I, I like the rock editions, this movie, yeah. like it fits it, it, it fits the, and Harry Manfredini actually admits like in the trivia that this is one of his favorites that he got to do because it's, if you listen to the orchestral part of it, it's actually got a Gothic score to it versus all the ones he did, you know, for the other films. Oh, nice. So he actually changed the music up to make it more like an old, you know, like universal monster type movie. Yeah. I like that. Um, anything else you want to discuss about it before we get into the trivia for all these films? Um, yeah, we have a very, um, I guess I should say, colorful Jason in this film. Um, this is, okay, so like I had mentioned, uh, he is the most fit of Jasons. Uh, you don't see his body except for the back of his head, obvious, or obviously, which is um, obviously zombie-like. Uh, uh, you could tell the flesh is rotting. It's a, it's a green color. Uh, he's got his, his faded mask, his 
dirty, war-torn mask, if you will. Green jacket, yellow gloves. It looks like he's got some kind of leather strap around his wrist for the gloves. That must be part of it. Uh, Tactical-type pants. They're a lot tighter on him. Even though he's, he's also l- got he's also got tactical attachments for his weapons, yes. like that knife. He's got like a holster for it yes. in this one. I am seeing that. I'm like, where Jason, where are you getting this gear? Um <laughs> Yeah, uh, he is a more clean, clean cut fit Jason. He's supposed to be a zombie Jason, which I get. He's got a mask on. We don't see it. Um but he is definitely more put together. <laughs> <laughs> even though he's undead. So it's kind of funny. I don't dislike it. Uh, I did dislike that he got skinnier. Obviously, that irritated me a little bit. Uh, I like a bulkier Jason. Um, but, man, he was fucking strong in this film. Yeah, I mean, that that's the one benefit that Tom McLaughlin played around with. He's like, if we're bringing him back as a supernatural creature, let's amp it up as far as his strength potential. And then, like, you know, what does that do for us as far as the kills? Now, I will say the Twitter uh, post that I sent you about uh, Jason being dummy thick, he was not dummy thick in this film. No, uh, he was fit. That was it. Uh, he had better cakes and four. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was comparing and um and I, that's and I stand by that. Uh, he wasn't as he's brooding and menacing, but he's not the big bulky because you almost don't have to work as hard when you're big and bulky. So this guy had to put some work in. CJ. Well, yeah, that that was the thing. CJ was hired. Like I mean, he he was a new stuntman, but he was a former military guy. So yeah. like he, you know, <laughs> that he's got the military, you know, build or whatever. And that's exactly. where he's coming from. Um, I didn't, I, I, I left these out of the notes, but like death holler awards before we get into trivia, like, you know, so we discussed the final girl. Like, what'd you think of Megan? Like as far as final girl? Um, she was kind of a, well, she's one of the more sassier, um, no fucking bullshit. She wants to get to it. She's got shit to do. Uh, let her know what you need. She's going to get it for you. So she's out there. I did like her. She was a teeny tiny bit annoying, though. She did not give a shit uh, about her own safety. Um, but when it came down to protecting who she could, like especially the children, she fucking stood up. So I'll give her that. Yeah, I, I still think fans of the series would probably go back to Jenny as far as like the, you know, probably the pin or you know, the ultimate final girl just because of how she stood up to Jason and the Death Shrine. But... Um, I, I just like the fact that this one had a little bit of fun. With yes. it. I mean, as opposed to just, you know, being a tragic victim, like it's yeah. always kind of be made out to be. And then like Trish was just dumb. Like, I mean, she, uh, you know, which I know Tommy's technically the final boy in that movie, but like, you know, so, and then Pam, Pam was okay, but like, she was just so, so I think like I didn't, nothing really stood out like as like award winning about her stuff. So yeah. Uh, the slasher uh, in this one, you know, like Zombie Jason played by C.J. Graham. I just like how methodical, like, he is in this movie. Like, he is no nonsense. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm I'm going to use my powers to my utmost ability. Like, in one scene I really love, although the, a different person was technically playing Jason in this scene. Uh, that's a bit of trivia. But they, they originally had another guy playing Jason. They filmed the paintball scenes first. Oh, yeah. Uh, they, had, they had another actor play Jason in those scenes. 
and he didn't work out for various reasons and they got cj graham who worked out great for the rest of the movie but one thing i did love was that scene where he throws bert against the tree but then like the arm he he's not used to his own strength yet and it's so funny because he throws the guy and then the arm is still in his hand and he looks at it and he cocks his head like what the fuck yeah is this? what did i do <laughs> that was awesome <laughs> Yeah, and then he just rolls with it for the rest of the movie. So, um, but I, I just like how methodically is it, he's it, when we get to it. Kane Hodder is the reason why he's the fan favorite is because of the physical things mm-hmm. he added the the hulking way. But like CJ Graham's not bad as, yeah. as far as like zombie Jason. He's uh, not. No. Um, and it's funny because I kept telling myself, I'm like, he's lost weight because he's he hasn't eaten in a couple years. Um, he's a zombie. <laughs> Uh, he lost his soul, that so that takes a couple of ounces off you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he's still tall, though. He's still really tall, and he's still strong. Um, So, Ted White still, as far as living, you know, Jason's is, is the best. But, yeah. Uh, C.J. Graham is like, I mean, I don't think a lot of people, you know, rightfully look to Kane Hodder and say, okay, he's the best zombie Jason, maybe the best Jason General because he gets some bulk back to him. Yeah, but I can't CJ, compare. The only thing I can compare Kane Hodder is um, seeing his neck through the mask at the from the bottom of the I, mask. You ought to see the guy in real life. Like, his neck is like a tree trunk. Oh, yeah. Like, he is no, I've seen he's him. ridiculous. But I just can't compare because I haven't seen the movies yet. And I'm, so I'm not going to. I'm sticking to just okay. what we've watched, which is good because I have not seen, as far as I know, I have not seen any of the uh, other uh, six movies, five or six movies we're going to watch. Um, I think I've seen bits and pieces of uh, Freddy versus Jason. It's the funny thing about the next set of movies when we go to record that session is that seven, I mean, this, like I said, part six is my favorite, but part seven, because of the inclusion of the final girl who's got psychic abilities, that's the reason I give Megan a pass because when it comes to zombie Jason, the only other uh, final girl who really stood up to Jason once he was a zombie is a girl with carry like powers which yeah. yeah she could stand toe to toe with him yeah megan couldn't do shit i mean like you can sit there and throw it it's like well jenny did what what is you know what is anybody going to do to zombie jason like who's got regular you know uh, that's a regular human i mean they the best they can do is kind of distract him long enough to yeah. maybe you know that's that's it so maybe put a puppy in his in his way so that he can pet it <laughs> <laughs> or or put you know, Burgo and and Barnaby or whatever yeah, get them in there on the case. so he gets he gets distracted. But uh, but anyways, what I was trying to say is that I just I think that uh, Part Seven is my second favorite of the series, just because you get you know Kane Hodder, best you know Jason probably of all of them, uh, especially Zombie Jason, and then you get like the psychic girls, the final girl, which is the most interesting final girl in any movie because she's got the powers. Um, it, so it's, it's, it's going, so we're going to start out strong with that, that next half. But the problem with that is, is that it goes from that to Manhattan, which Manhattan's, <laughs> it's got a lot of problems. Uh, Jason how disappointed are you going to be if problems. I like it? <laughs> uh, you, I don't hate, uh, I, is Noah around? No, <laughs> is he, he going to complain? No, 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 um, he's not. Uh, I don't. I don't hate part eight. I, there's parts I like. It's uh, even the cheesier parts. If you're just enjoying a bad movie, are good. Um, the problem is then you get to Jason goes to hell, and there's a few good things in that. But then they start really trying to tack on like things to the mythos, like the fact that Jason's comes from a long family of like cursed people that read the Necronomicon, oh, and shit. it's got links possibly to Evil Dead. Oh shit. Uh, 
he's like a, a slug worm from hell that can, you know, possess other people's bodies because uh, he loses his in the beginning of that movie. It, there's a lot of stuff that's weird in that one. Um, Freddy versus Jason brings it back a little bit, and but it's still there's certain things that they took a lot of liberties with to get the two of them to fight. Uh, story-wise it's kind of dumb and then like jason x like i appreciate the camp of it but like out, there's a couple of really good scenes i like in it and the rest of the movie it's i mean it's it's a little too it the sci-fi gets in the way of the movie to me i just don't I, if they would have done anything else it would have been fine but you know uh so the back half we start out strong and then we get weaker that's what i'm trying to tell you yeah with all that said. Um, whereas this one, at least for me, we started out pretty decent, got good right there in the middle with four and then with six, you know, like ended on a bang. Like I, this is a fun one to end on if you're going to, you know, in, you know, like watch a series of these movies all at one time. So, yeah. uh, what's your best kill? There's a lot to choose from in this movie. Ooh, um, hold on. Let me, cause I, I it, it goes out of my head so quick. But I thought I had written it down too. Okay, hold on one second. I'm almost there. Um, okay, so because it's the most memorable, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Th- this is when I was like, "This is a different Jason." Uh, and I know there's probably mm, no. This is when I was like, "This is Jason." When uh, Sissy was thrown through the window, obviously Jason, but the head was twisted off. Completely just yes. ripped off of her body. Yeah. I was like, "Holy fuck!" <laughs> Um, I don't know. I go back and forth. There are so many good kills in this one. I, but the one that always stands out and maybe it's because that's the one I watched the most as a kid. I mean, like whenever, like it, when the movie would make me too scared, like I would shut it off early into the movie, but that kill right at the beginning where he oh, punches yeah. through the guy's chest and rips his heart out. I mean, like that's, that's so badass. Like he doesn't do that. Like prior to this at all, we can't, you know, obviously he's human before this. Yeah. But, um, I guess that should have been uh, it for me, but for some reason the head twist was, was, you know, it for me. Well, it's good. And then, I mean, Sheriff, you know, uh, Mike Garris getting folded in half. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, uh, um, I I wouldn't throw in there the one guy getting thrown against a tree because that's just goofy with a smiley face left over or whatever. But the three in one kill, now that's pretty good too. That one's solid. heads all at one time. Yeah. I mean, mean, you got him in daylight at this point. (laughs) exactly he's he he he, look at skinnier or not he's a fucking huge dude still (laughs) so um i don't know about best scream i don't know if there's anybody who i don't there's no scream that stood out to me in this movie really maybe well what i'm thinking maybe is that uh is nikki now that i think about it like you know when she uh when uh, when she's uh you know going back into the r you know around the rv i think she has a pretty good scream around that time um right before well when jason's attacking her especially but yeah it doesn't last long uh, though she gets choked out pretty fast um i wrote these down somewhere i just don't have it handy uh, with me what i wrote down uh, best boobs unfortunately there is none that's the one fault against this movie (laughs) that's why it's not it's i mean that's one thing that you'd say that it doesn't truly live up to the you know part four is still the ultimate you know friday the 13th because this is missing that um and it's dumb why they're why it's missing that i'll get into that in the trivia but it but it almost had that and it it, with a nikki scene obviously and then it fell through so yeah um 
how annoying is Doom Prophet? I, it's not. Like, I liked how Tommy is a Doom Prophet in this. Like, he's the Doom Prophet that nobody listens to while he's actually actively trying to solve the problem that he created. Yeah. So, I mean. And he's not annoying because um, you get people. He's a lot more sane, too. So, like, in the first, his, well, his second, technically. So, as an adult, his second, um, excuse me, as an adult, his first showing, which was in part five, uh, was him he fresh out of the cuckoo's nest, if you will, and he was mm, a little a little sporadic. He was kind of he wasn't all there. This is a more clear thinking Tommy Jarvis. Yeah, he he went to that cemetery with a single purpose in mind. Yeah, the powers that be, whatever evil. Th- things they are decided otherwise and now he's he's but he's got a single purpose and that he's going to make good on the shit that he started basically so yeah and the actor didn't overact his part where he's saying crazy things he is a known crazy person he's still quotation mark fresh out of the psychiatric hospital but the way he's presenting it is like this fool's telling the truth like do you guys don't even want to consider taking him a little bit serious yeah, it's like everybody around him is just like, oh, you're a nut job. I'm not listening to anything you're saying. And it's like, oh, you, shouldn't you at least look into something that he's saying? I mean, just to, which to be fair, like, I mean, they do go to try to investigate the, um, the cemetery to see if the body's dug up to give him at least that credit. And yeah. <clears throat> it's, and Martin in his infinite wisdom to cover his own ass basically has like buried, you know, Alan's body back up, you know, that's, that's now in the grave. And like, you know, now there's no proof that, that, you know, it was even dug up. Yeah. And then he denies it, which makes it even worse. Um, uh, the best side character for me is Martin though, the caretaker, just cause he has some of the, the best lines, especially when he looks at the camera and he's basically saying that the audience are the sickos for wanting, you know, that sort of thing to, you know, it's like, well, you dug Jason. I mean, he's literally telling the audience, he's like, you dug him back up. Why, why are you entertained by this? You yeah. Know? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> why don't you just continue um, acting? Do your job. <laughs> I mean, who what, who did you think was, you know, uh, a, a good side character in the movie? I mean, you, you could, there's a lot to pick from because there's a lot of people that, you know, uh, just randomly pop up in the movie for no apparent reason, like, you know, those uh, corporate paintballers for one, but. Yeah, um, Barnaby and Burgo. But, okay. <laughs> no, for me, it's, it's the, it's the engaged couple. It was, yeah, it was kind of comedic. Yeah, it's it's just like, oh my god, what, what are we gonna do? Let's get out of here, you know? Yeah, and the way they died, I don't know. I was just like, the way they were running too. Everything about that scene was like, you're gonna fucking die. Yeah, they were. Well, it's funny because the, they literally were added in the movie just to die. I mean, that they yeah. were added after the fact just to die to pad the the death count. It was so weird because I actually had hope that they would get away. Because they weren't even doing anything wrong. Of course, I was like, why are they out at night, though, having a picnic? <laughs> that is kind of weird, but I mean. And when they went know, to I... run, she tried to grab the picnic basket. Yeah. <laughs> like, bitch. Run. Well, she didn't know what they were running from. So. Um, Dumbest moment. It's Tommy stabbing the body with the. Yeah. He, I mean, he. It's it's the dumbest moment in all the movies because he's the reason why Jason came back. Period. Um, 
How was he to know, I mean, though? Well, I, yeah, granted, but I mean, still, it's like, you know, we wouldn't, I mean, you know, well, we as the audience, it's probably our favorite moment just because it brought our, you know, favorite slasher back. But, you know, at the same time, I mean, as far as that universe goes, it was the worst thing that could have happened. Yeah, because I can't think of any other part of the film that is like, this is so fucking dumb. I almost thought for a minute the that... The counselors are actually, they, they're actually competent in this movie. Like, I mean, across the board, like, they don't play, they're even good with the kids. The only one who's semi-stupid is Court, you know, just because he's thinking with his dick. But I mean, yeah, like all the female counselors are trying to do their job and do it well. Like there's nobody in this movie, even the cops. I mean, uh, once he's on board, like, you know, you know, Sheriff Garris actually does attempt to, you know, go and help the campers out. So. Yeah. Well, one of the girls, one of the girl counselors, she realizes the door open. It's obviously right before she dies. Uh, after the previous girl had already been fucking obliterated, you know, well, I wouldn't say obliterated, but obviously killed. Um, and she's going to, she's very slowly going to shut the door. And I'm thinking at this point, well, she could shut the door fast. I was thinking it was a dumb move on her not to do that. But I was like, but he's just going to throw a body through the window and fucking walk through. (laughs) That's what he's going to do. Yeah. It's like, I'm like, what am I, what am I thinking of right here? She doesn't have a choice. So, I mean, I, I don't really feel like anybody in this was, like, extremely stupid other than the fact of just what Tommy did. But yeah. But like you said, it's not really a consciously dumb decision. It just, you know, in retrospect, it, he he should have just lit the, you know, the body on fire and been done with it. But, like, his rage moment, like, he, he fucked everybody, basically. Um, I feel um, like even if he had lit the body on fire, uh, there's always rain, and it would have the just rain, started raining. The rain came in and kept him from burning the body to begin with. He yeah. tried to set fire to Jason, and, and and it was like whatever evil entity rules that universe yeah. was, out to, to, was out to bring Jason back regardless. So uh, is there an honorary Franklin in this movie? I don't. I can't think of one necessarily. Um, no. I mean, it's hard after Joey. I mean, Joey's clearly <laughs> Franklin. I mean, made over, but yeah. Um, I, well, I'm down to trivia unless you got something else you want to talk about. So no, I'm trying. I'm trying to. No, we went. We went through everything. We went through boobs. We went through Final Girl. We went through dumb, dumbest move screams. We went through everything. Let's get into trivia. Trivia for part four, the final chapter. So Frank Mancuso Jr. wanted to end the series due to the fact that horror uh, was suffering a backlash in the media at that time, and also so that he wouldn't be stuck producing only horror films. Um, The writer wanted to drag out Jason's return at the beginning uh, with the idea in a kind of artsy-fartsy way that the audience is willing him, would will him to live. Basically, they're like, I'm tired of, you know, this shit. Where's Jason? I want Jason, you know? And so he's, so his artsy-fartsy thing was like, the longer I drag this out, it's more like the audience is bringing him back out of their own, you know, just will for him to be on screen. Um, Um, I don't disagree with that. (laughs) I, 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 it's not, I mean, you have to assume that they're going to think that, but you, I feel like me and you would be sitting there watching and being like, come on, Jason, come on, you know, like, <laughs> well, oh my God, it I worked. Mean, that's, that's what the audience did. So, I mean, he's not wrong in yeah. that when it comes right down to it. Uh, Ted White initially turned down the role to play, uh, Jason. Um, he wanted, uh, he wanted, but, but he was 
he kind of thought about it for a while. And then there was somebody else who was working on the film that kind of talked him back to it. Um, and he, you know, and then, uh, but he, he, before he came back, he watched all the previous, you know, the part two and part three, and he made a conscious decision that he wanted his Jason to move more quickly and more deliberately than the previous versions. Yeah. Um, which you can see in the movie. I mean, he is both of those things. Yeah. Um, Tom Savini uh, actually came back to replace another makeup artist. They started out with somebody else who actually had like uh, Jason's like, you know, mongoloid face or whatever made up. And he actually was fairly impressed with what they had done. He said he didn't really make many alterations to that. Uh, but uh, he of course added a ton of other stuff on the gore and all that when he came in. But um, his main reason for coming back is that he wanted to kill his own creation. <laughs> he, he brought, he brought, you know, boy Jason the life, so now he gets to kill adult Jason, you know. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> uh, the casting director thought Corey Feldman was too small to pull off the scene where he had to hack up Jason, so Corey, being a fucking smart kid, uh, basically looked at him and said, give me the machete. I'll show you, you know, what I can do, and, like, that's that's how he got the part. He proceeded to show them you know, that he could look convincing with a machete. Which is crazy because at this age, uh, do we know, hold on, I'm pulling up right now, but what, was he in in movies prior to this? Uh, if he, well, he, let's see, I don't know when he did Stand By Me. That's the only one that I can think of because he got Goonies right after this. That, that's actually part of the lore for part five okay. of the trivia. So Goonies was 85, Stand By Me was 86, and I don't see... Oh, wait, Gremlins? It's the, he's. In, oh, yes, he did do Gremlins. That's right. Okay, yes. so Gremlins was 84. Hold on, as so which is Friday the 13th. Hold on, I'm looking to see. I doubt there was anything prior to that because he was a young kid. Be, and the reason why I bring it up is because... They put uh, and special guest or special uh, and also Corey Feldman. They like gave him like a special uh, title on the screen at the beginning credits, and I'm like, wow, was he that big of an actor at this point? They they acted like the casting director said he was a big get. Like they specifically they as far as a child actor, they he was the go to person they wanted because they knew he was so good at being a child actor. So he must have done something that, that would have gave him that impression prior to this. Okay. That's, yeah, that's um, insane. I was like, holy crap, how how big was this kid already that they were like, and also featuring Corey Feldman. And I'm like, wow. Like, we knew about him yeah, after he, this, but. Yeah, he'd done something. I just didn't, I, I don't personally know, like, you know, chronologically what that was, but they, he had, he was like, they, they said it was a real big get to have him in the movie. Cause they knew he, as far as a child actor, he was top of the line, you know, for what he could pull off. Yeah. Um, we've already discussed the Rob plot hole. Uh, it's, it's dumb, like just two days removed, but you know, it is what it is. Um, Corey's favorite scenes were those with the boobs. Like I said earlier, <laughs> shocker. Dogger, uh, the the twins, uh, like I said, think their characters look horrendous in the film and not sexy. Uh, they went on, they went on the quote in the uh, Crystal Lake memory saying, "We wouldn't bonk them." That's how they specifically said it. Oh, so, okay. Um, uh, Ted White didn't like Corey Feldman. What? 
Uh, yeah, he said that the, he was a rude, mean kid that ran around causing problems on set, uh, and that when those scenes where he was supposed to grab Corey, he really intentionally was trying to grab him so that he could, you know, he didn't say hurt the kid, but he said punish him for being, you know, a, you yeah. know, a piece of shit, basically. Holy so, fuck, dude. Yeah. And the funny thing is, nobody else in the film acted that. The, the girl who played Trish said that Corey was a, was a you know actually a sweet kid. So Ted White's the only person, which I guess is good because you know if he's supposed to be the antagonist, I mean you know that's not really acting at that point, so it comes off naturally. But do you crazy. think do you think Corey Feldman was doing some sort of um, method acting where he was being like a a typical shitty kid that plays in the movies to get Ted White to feel this way and act that way towards him? He never specifically, it was never stated that way. I mean, he could have been, but uh, Ted White, if uh, I don't think I put this in the uh, trivia notes, but Ted White was actually a little bit method about the way that he interacted with the other people on set because he didn't, he would not, uh, he went out of his way to, not be around them unless he had to film a scene as Jason so that they Hmm. had to, uh, you know, uh, they didn't really have a, you know, any kind of closer connection to him that he was just an other, you know, to them that way. Um, the scene where Jason grabs Tommy, uh, through the window actually scared Corey Feldman quite badly, (laughs) like in real life. And the reason for that was because the scene just was dragging on and Corey actually thought that they had like, you know, uh, you know, were between takes and they were, and whenever Ted grabbed him, like he was, he was not expecting to get yeah. grabbed. Like it, I it, love it freaked him out. Uh, Tommy is named an homage to Tom Savini. Oh my God. That kind of fits because Tommy is making special effects in the movie. That's what he's doing. Oh so. yeah. Uh, it was 22 degrees when they filmed that raft scene. Oh, and, and that poor girl, uh, who, you know, had, uh, who played Samantha or uh, in the scene, Samantha in the scene, her name, the actress's name is Julie. The way they had to film that, uh, was that the body that got speared was a fake body. So the only part of her that was in the raft was actually her upper section, her legs, the way they designed oh! the raft were actually in the water. Uh, please tell me, degrees. please tell me she had at least like half of a wetsuit on. Uh, she had nothing. Oh, and, um, uh, well, I mean, other than maybe some clothes, uh, you know, and, uh, the, and what was even worse is that she was in constant misery and finding it harder and harder to continue filming. Cause obviously she was, you know, freezing to death, yeah. literally, uh, it's a point where she was turning blue. Uh, Ted White, you know, brought it to the attention of the director and said, hey, you you need to get this girl out here and warm her up. The director said, the fuck I am. We're getting this scene in the can. Ted White said, well, if if you want to go with that, that's fine. I'm walking off the set right now and forced the director to let her warm up. And and that's one of the few things that allowed Hmm. her that kept her from full on having, you know, like, I mean, the worst hypothermia you could get. Like, she still got hypothermia even with that, but, I mean, that's how bad it was. Uh, and, and they also, it was the same, uh, kind of temperature that they filmed, uh, that scene with a spear gun for the other actor for, I think Polly or whatever his name is. So <laughs> Jason um, saves lives guys. <laughs> he actually did in real life. I yeah. mean, you know, <clears throat> uh, she got hypothermia and developed a really bad cold after even with being a warm up in between, like <sighs> finishing those scenes. Fuck. Um, 
Lawrence Monison, who played Ted, actually got stoned to film his death scene in front of the projector, uh, like full on oh. stone. Like he went, he went back to his trailer, uh, smoked dope, and then came back. And his first first time in his life, he'd never been high ever. He thought, well, I want to get, I'll get better in the character if I, you know, get high like the character is in the movie. Uh, but it was a dumb decision because he got super paranoid and he was so out of it. He could barely finish his scene. Oh my God. That's awesome. Uh, Tommy was originally going to uh, develop a portable microwave device in the movie and hook it to Jason's head in order to cook and explode it from within. Uh, the producers nixed that idea, giving everyone the impression that they wanted a Mm. way to bring Jason back, which obviously they did, but in another way. Uh, it's a lot easier to bring zombie Jason back when he's got a, uh, he's still got a head versus one that's been pop- popped by a microwave. So yeah. there you go. Uh, Corey had 101 degree fever while he filmed the scene where he attacks Jason. Damn. And he looked sickly. He did. And that's what they added to the scene. Uh, and he said it is also, it added his look of desperation because he was so desperate to get that scene done. So, cause he felt so bad trying yeah. to film it. Good God. What an actor, dude. At such a young age. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's crazy how disciplined he was for that age. Yeah. Uh, Ted White was offered to return as Jason in part five or in part six, but he re- he turned down the offer, and of course, like everybody else, he regrets it now, but he could have came back as Jason in, in the later films. Well, Ted, I regret it too. <laughs> Uh, the ending scene that with a zoom in the Corey's deranged face was to intentionally set up the notion that Jason's evil was contagious and could spread to others. That's what they were going to go with to continue the series. Instead of bringing Jason back, it was his evil would spread from person to person. Uh, yeah, I suppose. What I was getting is that uh, he has a way of fucking tormenting little fuckers, you know? Well, it's kind of past trauma too is like you know so if tommy traumatized some other final boy or girl or whatever it was then the then they would go psychotic and on and on and on that's kind of what they were hinting they're going to go with um so in part five a new beginning uh cory feldman was originally going to return for part five completely but and continue his role as Tommy because he really does like this character. I mean, that's one of his favorite that he played. But he said that uh, there was a little problem with that, and that Steven Spielberg had him filming a, a little movie called The Goonies at the time, and he just couldn't make it work out. Wow, loser! <laughs> uh, Dick Warlock, who played Michael Myers in the original Halloween movie, was actually a stunt coordinator on this film, <laughs> so he kind of jumped series. That's kind of cool. Melanie Kinnaman, who played Pam, said that she did not enjoy working on this movie at all. Wow. Uh, she, she said the director was extremely rude to her and the other actors, especially if they asked for assistance with their characters. Like, how she described it was she went up to the director just to get, like, okay, what would Pam do in this scene? And he said, basically told her to go fuck herself. So that's what she had to deal with during this entire movie. It's like, what the fuck, dude? Your job is literally to give direction. To tell me how to play yeah. my character, exactly. Yeah. Loser. <laughs> uh, Ethel and Junior actors didn't know they were filming a Friday film until they were on set. <laughs> <laughs> it was kept that secret uh, because nobody wanted the, the movie to film around them. So. Wow. Uh, Carol uh, Locatell, who played Ethel, uh, used the same wig that she wore in Sharky's Revenge, a Burt Reynolds movie where she played a hooker. Ah, so when, you, when you see Ethel, that's her hooker hair. <laughs> uh, 
Lana and Bill, uh, the scene, the scene between them was originally meant to be included in part four, uh, you know, where he's picking her up, you know, for the date, but they, it just, they time wise, it just didn't make sense fit it in that. So they just worked it in this one. Uh, Rebecca Wood, who played Lana, said that it was her idea to add the to add the it's showtime <laughs> scene where she shows her breasts. Like she literally offers, like, "Hey, I'm going to do a little number, and then I'm going to show my tits." And they were like, "All right, you do it." <laughs> yeah, no, please don't. Uh, like I said earlier, the two greasers might be the first gay characters killed in the Friday the Thirteenth film. That's kind of what everybody kind of got from those two guys. Uh, you know that they were supposed to be "quote unquote" gay. You know, so I did not get that, but okay. Um, all of the females in the movie were cast based upon the size of their tits, <laughs> at least according to the editor. <laughs> oh shit. Uh, Debbie Sue Voorhees, uh, speaking of which, uh, who played Tina, was a former Playboy bunny. Uh, Gina Gershon and Darcy DeMoss were also considered. And if oh, you remember, yeah. Darcy DeMoss played Nikki in part six. So she eventually did cycle back and play a character in the Friday films, just not this one. And Gina Gershon uh, was hot. I wonder how gorgeous she was at this time frame. Uh, a smoke show, like, yeah. from what they said. It's just it didn't... Uh, they between her and and Debbie Sue, like I think, like contractually, it was easier for Debbie Sue to get into the movie, so that's the reason they went with her. Well, but Gina Gershon would have worked great. And Debbie Sue Voorhees said that part of what even got her the audition was the fact that she had the same last name as Jason. Yeah, that's one of the things. There's like, oh, that's cool. That's a cool little link. You yeah. Know? Uh, DeMoss was actually uh, uh, the real-life girlfriend of John Robert Dixon, who she would have had a, a sex scene with in the movie. So uh, that that's interesting, but it never worked out because she <laughs> says that she was let go because her breasts <laughs> wasn't big enough. <laughs> the God, God bless these people because I don't like the small titties. <laughs> uh, during the sex scene, the director was ordering for John Robert to grab her, fuck her hard, fuck her per- pussy, etc. Uh, basically, he was yelling out commands that you would do on a porno set, and the editor and producer both were embarrassed to be on the set while he was going on about this stuff. Like yeah. he was really hardcore. Like what the fuck, it. dude? Chill the fuck out. <laughs> Uh, John Robert Dixon's death scene was changed to the leather strap over his eyes in order to cut down on the gore. It was a bargaining tool for the MPAA so that the director could work in more nudity scenes. Of course, that's what he was all about. Yeah. Upon its release, audiences went to the theaters in droves, boosting its box office intake before realizing they had been duped, but with a fake Jason and word of mouth quickly got around, and that's the reason it kind of dropped off quickly. It would have made way more money than it did if it had Jason in it. I am so surprised that they weren't like, God, this movie had a fake Jason, but Debbie Sue Voorhees had some fat titties. It's one of those movies, I mean, I know uh, from what I could hear from him that, that Noah hates this one, but it's one of those movies that a lot of people went back in recent years, and now that they've had time to, you know, kind of get over it, they're like, it wasn't bad. It, I mean, it wasn't great, but it wasn't the worst thing ever, you know. Like, it, people have warmed up to it. And there's some people that actually really like it for the, the cheese factor that's in it. You know, it's one yeah. of those drive-in B-movies. Um, I think it's because they thought that it was done with part four, excuse me, is it part four? Part four is supposed to be the final one, yeah. Yes, okay, and then they get this, we're like, cool, he's back, but he's not technically. Um, and they didn't know at the time that there was going to be so many more Jason Voorhees films or Friday the 13th films. So that is kind of 
it's kind of scary, especially when you don't have the social media we have nowadays that is like, hey, guess what? They're in the works of making this one already. They're like, this is probably it. They probably didn't know. Yeah, that I think that's part of it. And it's the same reaction people had to Halloween 3. Like, people go, go back now, and it, I mean, it's technically one of my favorite Halloweens just because it's so weird. And out there, it has, I mean, Michael Myers is only in it, like, as on a TV screen. It has nothing to do with that, you know, whole continuity. But, like, people hated it because they're like, where the fuck's Michael Myers? Like, yeah. Like, what the fuck is this, you know? Uh, part six, Jason lives. Uh, Mancuso was given a, a, a immediate directive by Paramount: get the Friday Thirteenth series back on track, or else because it's one of our top money makers. Yeah, I don't blame them. <laughs> uh, it get was, your shit but together. Unfortunately, uh, it was the lowest grossing sequel, and that's because of the backlash from part five. I mean, people were like, "Fucking movie! It don't have Jason in it. What the fuck would I go watch this for?" You know? Yeah. Um, but did they not have then, the previews of maybe perhaps Jason coming back to life? I think it was the people that saw it and they might've cared about that. I think so many people were butthurt. They were just like, fuck <laughs> that. Fuck Paramount. I'm not going, I'm not, that, they got my money from part five. They're not getting my money from this one. And then later when the VHS is started popping up in the stores and you could rent it for like, you know, whatever it was back in the day, like three bucks for a night's rental or whatever. They were like, I'll pay that. That's better than a movie theater. And they got home and they're like, fuck, this is actually a pretty yeah. good movie. You know, like they, they hated the fact that they didn't support it after the fact. Or see it in a theater because some movies you just have to see in a theater. I think this one would be a good one to see in a theater because yeah. it's got that mm. cinematic look to it. Yeah. But, uh, director Tom McLaughlin was a fan, like I said, of the old Universal Studios monsters, and particularly Frankenstein, which is kind of what, you know, the reason he brought Jason back with lightning. That, yeah, I was you thinking know, that. that in. <laughs> Uh, John Shepard, Tommy Jarvis from part five was originally asked to reprise his role for part six. Uh, he would have been accompanied by Melanie Kinnaman who played Pam. So they would have brought both final girl and Tommy back from the, the last movie. But uh, John Shepard was still unsure of where he wanted to do. He wouldn't even continue acting, and he turned it down. And then whenever he did that, the studio, which I think is a shit move, turned to Melanie uh, Kinnaman and said, well, if he goes, you go too. So kiss off, you know, and yeah. kick them both out of it. Shit move, but without that move, we wouldn't have had the final girl that we got. Yeah, we wouldn't have got Megan. So, I mean, it, it kind of worked out for what it was. Although I do... People agree Pam is one of the prettier final girls for whatever yes. that's worth. She really is. She um, is. Uh, Megan was modeled after a snappy 1940s-style actress. You know, the whole, like, you know, she gives as good as she gets type <laughs> character. So um, that's why she's, you know, the way she is in that. So that's where that comes from. Uh, the couple who were impaled on the motorcycle was a scene added to the st by, the st or by the studio later because they saw the film and thought it needed more death scenes. <laughs> And it was actually added in a completely different spot. It was like a lot in California. Like they complete, like this whole movie was filmed in like Southern Georgia, but then like that scene, since it was way after the production, we're like, yeah, just go to some lot we have and just, you know, get the pickup scenes you need. Uh, so if it looks different, that's because it's a completely different area. Um, Alice Cooper was hired to contribute three songs. Uh, the director was a fan of the rocker and of using rock music in his films. And nice. I think it fits this one because yeah. it's just that kind of, you know, kind of movie. Uh, there was plenty of like jokey little things added, but one of the things that you can see in the film is like a speed limit sign that says speeding with a question mark on both sides of it. So it's not actually, it's like, 
it's it's more like a comment. Are you speeding? Like oh it's my not God. even, you know. I did not catch that. Yeah, it's it's whenever Megan's driving and like Tommy's between her thighs, I think, is whenever <laughs> it pops up. So uh Manfredini said he enjoyed working on the soundtrack, like I said, because it had the more gothic feel to it. Uh it's one of the first meta horror movies, probably the first one, according to a lot of people, preceding Scream especially. Uh and the writer for Scream later told Todd Mc, Tom McLaughlin he was actually inspired by this movie to, uh, you know, and the meta humor in it to go on and add it in the scream the way he did. So this yeah. could be the movie that gave you scream technically. <laughs> wow. Uh, CJ Graham was supposed to intentionally miss Nancy McLaughlin, Lisbeth with a spear whenever he's like aiming for her in the car. Uh, but his military training kicked in during the filming of the scene and he only narrowly missed her. <laughs> with that. Because you can notice it in the scene, like he's supposed to like, you know, intentionally like jab it in the other direction, but he actually follows her tracking her like without, you know, it's just hardwired into him and he goes straight for where she was at. Yeah. Um, she is the Nancy McLaughlin is the director's wife and supposedly the person that the little uh, Nancy Perry uh, is named after. Although it's kind of odd that the character has nightmares about a monster yeah. and it's a slasher. It, I don't know. I, I think he, I mean, it, he can say what he wants and she might've had that name, but it's just funny that it worked out the way it did. Uh, Cause Nancy is the final girl in Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, uh, Nancy, uh, uh, McLaughlin was considered the den mother off camera and went about raising the crew's morale. They kind of looked like at her as like kind of the mom of the set. Cause they were all, a lot of them were way younger than her. So Aww. that's kind of the role she filled. Uh, Don Burns, who the associate producer of the movie, uh, and who also worked on the original Halloween was an extreme cheapskate. Uh, every time that he came in, he was, uh, removing things from their budget and nickel and diamond on to death on, you know, what they could do and what they couldn't do. Uh, Tom McLaughlin was extremely frustrated with Don at the time, but he does admit that it forced him to be more creative while filming, which is something we've discussed in this podcast before. It's like sometimes lack of money gives you a better movie because you have to think, you know, of different ways to do, you know, the, the scenes. Yeah. Uh, Don mentioned that if they were going to wreck the, the RV, that they give him the swamp cooler, the <laughs> air cooling unit that was on top of it. Cause it was worth about $5,000. Uh, he was such a pain in the ass that the entire crew made sure that it was one of the first things that's blown off the RV and completely damaged. So he oh, have it. awesome. <laughs> Uh, the paintball scenes used real paintball guns and uh, were the first scenes filmed in the movie. Uh, a lot of the actors complained that when they got hit, it really hurt because they're paintballs and they do hurt. Um, uh, another actor for Jason was used during these scenes, like I said, but it's, they didn't like how his movements looked upon playback, so that's why they hired CJ. And CJ's got, I mean, he, he's a very decent, you know, uh, Jason as far as, like, his portrayal of the character, so it worked. He's a mover and a shaker for sure. Uh, yeah, uh, Darcy DeMoss playing Nikki was originally meant to be topless in her sex scene, but, uh, contract negotiations with her manager fell through. And yet again, uh, she, uh, I mean, you know, uh, before she was kicked out of five because uh, her tits apparently weren't big enough. And in this one, they couldn't get them worked into the film. So <laughs> that's the reason this doesn't have all of the requirements of a, of a Friday the 13th movies because Darcy just didn't do what she was hired to do. Wow. So there you go. 
Tom Fridley, who plays uh, Court in the movie, is actually John Travolta's nephew. And if you look at him close up in the movie, you can definitely see it because wow. he fucking looks like John Travolta a little bit, like in the face. Uh, Tom McLaughlin wanted to establish rules for Jason's mythology since he was essentially a late ghost uh, in his words. That's what he said. So, so I, apparently I called it. <laughs> uh, he wanted to have like definitive rules on how he could be contained and killed since now he's, you know, uh, basically unkillable. Uh, CJ Graham was at the mercy of rescue divers during the filming of the underwater scenes at the end of the movie. They, they had to literally deliver air to him in between quickly between takes because he was in that get up underneath water in like a tank they were filming somewhere. And that's the only, the way he could breathe was when somebody would swim up real quick between takes and let him get air. Nope. Fuck that. That I, I don't, I don't know how somebody does that. Honestly, I, I, nope. I'd be freaking out. Uh-uh, I can't do it. I would be panicking and that would cause me to lose more oxygen faster. I would die. Um, some on the back of that, something I want to discuss with you. So I get the fact that Jason tied down with a chain or whatever that would weigh him down. So he couldn't get out of there. But the one way that like, uh, Megan, and that's the one major contribution she has toward the end of the movie besides saving Tommy with, you know, resuscitating him is that she gets them both away by turning on the, 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 you know, the motorboat to the, to the, you know, the, the boat that they have out there yeah or the, the motor to the boat. And then anyways, like whenever it kicks in, it basically snaps Jason's neck. Mm-hmm. <sighs> The one thing I thought about is like, so why would this affect Jason? But the one, but I got to thinking about it. And I don't know how you feel about this head cannon, but he, as a zombie, he can regenerate, but it's like a slow regeneration. And when she snapped his neck, she severed his spinal cord so he couldn't move. That's what I got out of the scene. Like that's what he was still alive, but it snapped, but he wasn't able to move his body. So that's why, that's why his hands started floating down to the bottom instead of like grabbing at her still. Yeah. Um, I can't come up with anything better. Honestly, I can't think of any because I'm like, this is weird because we uh, we know Jason still comes back. Spoiler well, even alert. At the end of the movie, they show his eyes flutter back open. Yeah. So he's still alive down there. Yeah. So, <laughs> which I love so much because of whoever put that fucking Jason Voorhees statue in the Minnesota lake, you know? <laughs> yeah, there's that. Uh, speaking of that, I mean, with his eyes, what do you think about that uh, James Bond intro that they do whenever it like zooms in and he's doing the slashes and it's like da 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 da, you know? Uh, I I don't know why I'm drawing a blank on that, honestly. That's when he's first revived and he's and uh, Tommy runs away. Uh, Alan has been shoved back into the, you know, uh, in Jason's grave. And he looks at the camera and it like zooms in on his eyeball and it like goes way in. And then you see Jason walk like a silhouette. Oh, and he yeah. Slashes. And it's it's like it's making fun of the old James Bond intro. That's what they're doing with that scene. Apparently, I did not. <laughs> Apparently, I did it. not make the connection. I thought it was a cool, uh, just a cool little fun thing they threw yeah. in the movie. Yeah, I like. I, mean, I love when they do fun things in horror films. Um, but yeah, that uh, just that that's what I thought of whenever I saw that scene is because they intentionally see show him his neck at like such an angle that it looks like it's separated slightly from his body, but not enough to like remove his head. So I, the the one thing that I got was and the fact that his hands floated down. I was like, well, she snapped his spinal cord just long enough for them to get away, but like. He's got like regenerative abilities. Yeah. So, like, he's, you know, it's after a while, he just, that, that spinal cord kind of just comes back. 
That's the only thing I could think of. Uh, yeah, and it, I, it's it's lo- it's as logical as it's going to get because, like I said, I don't have any better way to explain it. Because he's a light it. ghost. I mean, that's- <laughs> shut up. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one room for one lake, lake ghost, and it's La Arena. Uh, the original ending had Martin, the caretaker survive. And he was shown speaking to, and like the final scenes, uh, to Elias Voorhees, who was the one paying for the upkeep of Jason's grave. Elias ends up being Jason's father. And, uh, it's also shown that he's more of a Rasputin type. And then he's got, seems to have like mystical powers and he's got like some book he's carrying with him. Rara Rasputin lover of the Russian queen. (laughs) I don't know how I feel about that ending. They say that it's actually in the movie novelization that they kept that ending, but I don't, I mean, they, they get, they do add all this stuff later on and Jason, you know, goes to hell. So like they technically bring it back, but I, I don't, I feel like it's fine without all of that. Um, I don't like it. I'm glad they didn't have it. Uh, it's, it's I, like, I feel like it goes a little too far. It does. It's like goofy. my dumb way of trying to explain things away. And no, we just need to, we can't bring Jason's dad into it. We can't have him returning with the jug of milk that he left, you know, four years ago to go get, or the pack of cigarettes that he left to go get. I was going to say the the pack of cools that he spent all those years going out to buy. Yeah, no, we can't have him showing up causing all kinds of emotional drama, emotional damage, making Jason weaker because of the, you know, the bond that they they missed and stuff like that. No, we, we can't have that. And and it keeps him as mama's boy, and that's that's the one of the funniest things about him is like this big hulking slasher is the fact that he's the ultimate mama's boy anyway. So. Yeah. Um. Do we want uh, to rate? Do we want to like put a placement of the movies? Um. That we think that like you, for instance, like I think the best one is part two. I'm not. That's not true, but. You know, and go and put them I mean, in order of how we think of how great they are and the Jason Voorhees of the first half. Yeah, I mean, we can do that. Um, I just, I mean, I'll go first as far, I mean, like I said, six is my favorite, uh, yeah. followed quickly by four. Um, I don't know between three and five. There's so many things about five I actually do like. I mean, going back and watching it, but I still think three might have the edge slightly. Um I, they're kind of tied in my head, but I'm going to say three and then five and then two and then one. I mean, not that the, you know, one is terrible, but it's, you know, different killers start out the, you know, so like, I mean, it definitely for me start, you know, six is the best followed by four, then three, then, cause I mean, you got a little bit more competent Jason there. Um, then five, cause it's the fake Jason. And then, you know, two for Jenny, because she's better than Alice and then Alice, you know, at the end of it. Um, ours <laughs> a little bit different. Uh, it's funny. It's like, well, no, it, it's besides five, two, one being the bottom three, which is for both of us. Uh, my number one was four. That was my, I, it, I, I can't fault anybody for liking four. Right? Yeah. It's, like I said, it's, it's the ultimate. I mean, it's got everything a Friday movie needs in it. So. Yeah. It's peak Jason for me. Uh, then it's three just because that's when we got Jason mask. Jason had some solid kills and then six, which is hard because I feel like six should be higher. It just wasn't for me. I was, I was very turned off by a uh, skinny Jason. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, six is is one of those ones that like i mean i i totally understand if four is like your favorite but like a lot of people go four and six mm-hmm. like that's you know four is their best six is their next favorite you know after that yeah um i'm just kind of surprised that three crawled its way up to like that you know a little bit higher in your in your opinion it's interesting i'm not nothing against it i mean it's obviously you have your reasons for it it's just that's you know I've, I've heard six and four take the top two spots depending and they alternate depending upon the person. So, yeah. Um, and then in terms of Jason's, um, I don't think, I guess we got I guess we got to do, we do have to include one technically, but okay. So four was obviously my favorite Jason as well as three and then six. So I guess I'm on the same pattern. Um, let me I, see. I'm probably in the same pattern too because it's a six zombie Jason, you know, and it's the the one that I was introduced to. I mean, I I met CJ Graham at a convention, and I mean, he's a lot nicer guy than Kane Hodder when you meet him in person. Just throwing that out there. I mean, Kane <laughs> Hodder likes to choke people for <laughs> like for what reasons he he really does, and he will choke you. I mean, like he left marks on my neck when he did. Dang. This, so, uh, <laughs> That's his photo op. He chokes the shit out of you while holding a machete, and then you're just supposed to stand there. It's like, oh, thank you. Where do we sign up for this? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, if that's your kink getting choked, uh, go to Kane Hodder. He'll he'll oblige. Um, And then you, um, but CJ Graham's just a really nice down to earth guy when you meet him. So I mean, I you know, and it's he's he's in my favorite Jason movie. So I can't, you know, and he's zombie Jason, the very first zombie Jason. So that's a gentle giant at the top of my list. Ted white, perfect, you know, living Jason. Yes. He's, Mm -hmm. he's the, and then I would say, actually, I'd probably move. Uh, well, uh, I, I, I think I put three earlier. So it's like my third one. So yeah. uh, Richard Brooker's the next one. And then, uh, I don't know, but I guess Roy technically is better than part two because the Steve dash wasn't bad for what he did, but like there was that mix with Warrington. So that kind of muddied the waters on that one. And clearly Ari Lehman's like the worst. Yeah. I mean, just because he's what that's all he did was just jump out of the water. Baby Jason. So I, I, so I think the Jason's kind of determine your, your, which movie you like and what order too. Well, no, I switched mine uh, for the bottom three. So Ari Lehman is one, obviously. That's yeah. He's the bottom of the barrel. But um, I can see Roy being your number two. Yes. Oh no no no. Roy's not my number two. Um. Wait. Well, I mean at the bottom. Excuse me. Like I guess fifth or whatever. That is actually what I did. I switched uh part two and part five. So yes, uh Roy is my it was my number two, um. Because I put actually uh, Jason Part Two, which was uh, fucking sackhead Jason, I put him as my number three. Because I mean, look at he wasn't a real he wasn't a Jason Voorhees per se, but neither was Roy. And you have to start somewhere, and I think that it worked. I I think I'll agree with you. I mean, because I wasn't beholden to Roy, so I, I want to sw- I'd switch them too. Yeah, I think Sackhead slightly just for the the look alone. Like he's more he's it's got a better look than like the Roy fake like you know Jason mask and everything. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I I go with that one. I think that's a good uh, switch. On yeah, the, on those two. So yep, that's where I stand on this. Um. Final Girls, I don't know how you feel about them. I mean, we're not going to rank all of them. I, who is your favorite amongst all of them? Oh, uh, God, that is so tough. Um, I'm going to go with Pam. 
Pam wasn't bad. Um, Jenny, uh, it's tough to, I mean, her, her tricking Jason, that, that, and that whole scene is hard to, hard to deny. I, I, I think I would go with Jenny as far as like straight up, just final girl. Like uh, she meets all the criteria. She's spunky. She, you know, like she does a good job fighting back. Uh, I think Megan would be my next one just because like I said, I, I like, she, I just like the fun that she brings to the character. And then, then I would probably throw Pam as the third one in because I mean, she does, she's better than Chris. I mean, yeah. I, some people like love Chris, but I, I didn't feel that great. I, we discussed it. She was kind of flat to me. I didn't, you know, and then, uh, Alice is probably at the bottom just yeah. because, I mean, I know she was the first one, but she was very ineffectual for what she did. Yeah, yeah. Even if she did chop mama before he's head <laughs> off. So, I mean, yeah, she did it to survive and I respect that, but yeah, she, she barely made it out of that film. Um, I don't know anything else you want to say about any of these movies. I mean, did you, well, I want to ask you, did you have a trouble watching all these or did you actually get into them as you went along? Uh, so, um, big shocker. I actually enjoyed every enjoyed watching the whole things all the way through, which was a surprise. I did not think I was going to be able to watch all six of them. And I thought it was going to be a struggle. I think we finished, uh, in two, two and a half days. That was about what I did. And I yeah. was surprised too, to be honest with you, because I got, I got through part one. Uh, I'd watched that actually within the past year. So it was kind of like, I, I mean, I wasn't paying super attention to it, but I was trying to pay enough attention to keep up for notes for the podcast. Um, not that I dislike the movie. There are certain things about it. I, I think it's interesting to go back and watch Kevin Bacon in like a role before he yeah. got super famous. <laughs> Uh, part two, uh, I've watched the least, so that was the most interesting one for, I mean, uh, of the first three for me to watch just because like I, when I watched it again, like I was really surprised by that scene in the shack at the end of it. I was like, this is a damn good scene. Like, and, the, yeah. and I like that. I like that retcon they do at the beginning where they have Paul, like, you know, giving like the history of Jason. So, yeah. um, three, I, I, Three was a low point for me just because, I mean, I enjoyed parts of three. Obviously, when we discussed it, I, I mentioned them, but, like, whenever I, but the bad acting was getting to me bad. Like, it would have been fine if it had been just Shelly that was bad, but that, you know, having the, you know, the main love interest for the for Chris, like, be so wooden, too. I was just like, oh, my God. Like, and I didn't have the 3D to really pop the movie, which that's the that's the main way to watch that movie. If you can watch it in 3D, do it. Because, I mean, it, it's got a lot of cool 3D effects. I could tell, even though I was watching it in 2D. Oh, yeah, that's what Noah had mentioned, too. Uh, four brought me back into it. I was like, damn, okay, here we go. This, this is one of the good ones, you know, one of the best, you know. And then five, I, I was interested in because I've, not really watched it before to be perfectly honest. And I went, I've heard so many back and forth on it that it was, and I was like, I didn't like, didn't necessarily hate this movie. So, you know, it worked. And then six, I, it was like a breath of fresh air. I was like, I thought I was like, okay, I'm in the end, you know, this, the end stage, I'm probably going to be like sleeping through this. And when I started watching it, it was like, I was a kid again. I was like, yes, yes, yes. I love this fucking movie. Was it like <laughs> life was reanimated within you? 
I, it honestly was. I, I mean, I, it, I really like. I perked up whenever the like the intro scenes with the light in the graveyard, which has always been my favorite scene in any of the movies, where they bring him back and just how he looks. And I was just like, I was in for it. I was like, I don't know why, but this is. I, I, I get so much joy from that movie every time I watch it. Yeah, I think it was funny. <laughs> it became a game for me because uh, as Jason matured throughout the years and changed. And everything was very interesting to me um, because he definitely gets stronger. He definitely gets more violent. And obviously, I'm about the kills. So, yeah. But, um, I, I, I figured that you would start having more and more joy as it went along. Cause yes. As I was watching those kills, I was like, she's, de- there's no way she's not getting more fun out of these. Oh, as they yeah. Go along. So, that was the best part. But it was also the hulking size of him and the selling it. So you you can have a big dude, and part two is, is a great example, but he was also alive in part two. You can have this hulking guy, but he may not be the strongest, you know? Yeah, people are still getting thrown through windows. I get it, you know? But he wasn't selling it like some of these other Jason Voorhees, and I know it gets better over time, so I'm not going to told completely shit on two at all, you know? Uh, he, In fact, he at least he wasn't at the bottom of my list. He was actually number three, you know? How long has it been since you watched? I know I'm jumping ahead, but how long has it been since you watched the remake? Uh, <laughs> or have you? Never. Okay. I don't think I have. Now, uh, I don't. I don't even think I dreamed watched it with with Noah. I'm interested. The reason I ask is because they go a totally different way with Jason in that movie. They he's back alive because it's you know it's changing up the story, um, and they they do some things in the movie to explain how he's able to pop up in different parts of the, you know, you know, the forest and the the surrounding area without like, you know, he just immediately there, like, yeah. And they, they gave it more like a real world explanation. And I was talking to, I think it was Cody the other day at work. And like, he was mentioning how he hated that version of Jason just because like it was, they, they would try to ground him a little too much. And they, they, and there's little scenes where he's running, you know, at the people and he's more like feral that way. Yeah. And uh, some people are turned off because they like the, the hulking, like, you know, just unstoppable Jason and the, you know, the, the old series versus the way that they set him up in the new one. Yeah. I mean, I'm I, expecting. I just, I I'm expecting some disappointment. I don't disappointment. know how you're gonna react to that. Just what I'm saying. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, the good news is I haven't seen it. Um, I'm obviously a lot more optimistic to watching them because I've been enjoying it. The slasher season so far has been my favorite, and it was my least anticipated. <laughs> I've, I've knowing that you like the kills, I knew that you'd get more fun out of this season. I just yeah. knew it because I mean, it, it that's what it is. Yeah, um, and the actors and, are really fucking selling them too. Yeah, I mean, it. The, well, that's the reason they're so popular. That's why to, to this day, like, it's the most popular genre of horror. It's because people, uh, uh, no matter if you're the type of horror fan that's, like, into the, you know, elevated horror, if you're into the, I mean, just the cheesy grindhouse stuff, everybody meets in the middle with slashers and say, okay, there's a little bit for everybody in these yeah. movies. I mean, it's, that's why they're so popular. And that the thing that sucks, Corey Feldman has confirmed 
I don't know why he's the one confirming this unless he's got some kind of, they're doing something with him in the new movie, which is cool if that's what they're doing. But he has confirmed that the uh, rights issues for Friday the 13th, because that's the whole reason why we've not had any forever, is because Vic Miller owned the rights to the story, Sean Cunningham owned the rights to the characters, or vice versa, and neither one of them was willing to work with each other because they had a falling out. Uh, but they have renegotiated and apparently they've come to terms over who gets, you know, well, it was a money thing. Like I think Sean Cunningham, uh, from what I understand was trying to take too much of the percentage. Like he was like, well, I clearly I deserve like 90% and Vic Miller's like the fuck you do. I, you know, like, um, but anyways, Corey Feldman has confirmed that the financials have been and legalities have been mostly worked out about who owns the rights and, and who's going to allow the other. So, it looks like they're moving ahead with Friday the 13th, a new movie finally. Yeah. So, which hopefully we'll get that. Literally just around the corner. <laughs> just around the corner, and hopefully it's good. But um, when you get to the remake, just throw this in the back of your mind. To me, uh, it is like a uh, parallel universe version of Supernatural, and not just because Jerry P- Padalecki's in it, <laughs> but the character he plays is so close to Sam Winchester. Oh, God. That, Everything that he does that. is so close to Sam Winchester. I know, but they literally have him as like a heroic character, like looking uh, for his sister in this versus his brother. Mm. And like, he's, he's on the search for his sister and he's like trying to, and then he ends up like, you know, crossing paths with Jason or whatever at some point. So it's really like, to me, that's why I enjoy that movie because it's like, you know, alt universe supernatural. Yeah. Which is, I mean, how awesome would have been if he had played Jason Voorhees? It, it might have been pretty cool, but uh, we're going to be seeing here soon, speaking of that, uh, with My Bloody Valentine, the remake, yeah. uh, Jensen Ackles, <laughs> and my other my other alt-universe Supernatural, where, uh, you know, uh, Jensen is in, you know, that horror film. So. Yeah, that's going to be, yeah, we, we're going to have some, look at, happy Friday the 13th, everybody, if you're listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> Because you are listening but, to this on Friday the 13th. But we got some Valentines. Uh, we got some romance coming up. Uh, it's not the next thing that we're going to be doing, though. That's we true, need a palate yeah. cleanser after this. I love these movies, but I need something before yeah. we. We're not going to dive straight into like Freddy or any of that because that's. I, I need something, you know, humorous and like, you know, just to break it. And I think we decided, uh, you know, was it Tucker and Dale and. Um, what was it? Oh, yeah, Freaky. I think yes. it's the other one we're going to do. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to have uh, some some slashers that are some refreshers, you know, some little light refreshments, if you will. Yeah, something that's easy for us to watch and review, first of all, because yeah. <laughs> I had it took me like four days of type or between writing and typing the notes up this week to get all this stuff coordinated, which I, it was a labor of love. Don't get me wrong, but it was just like, Oh shit. Like, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot to these movies. Yeah. So I'm actually really looking forward. I have never seen Tucker and Dale big shocker. Um, <laughs> and I'm familiar with freaky and I, I don't consider it a spoiler that I've walked through the, uh, the, the scare house at universal uh, that was a really good one, though. That was better than I thought. So I'm pretty stoked, especially having Freaky Bee so close to the Friday the 13th franchise. It's It's got some good kills in it, and it's funny because both those movies have ties to Jason, which yeah. I guess makes it appropriate because 
uh, Vince Vaughn's character is basically Jason Voorhees in that universe. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he even wears a mask that looks similar. Oh, uh, God. Some kind of like tribal, like square mask. And then um, Tucker and Dale is about these two rednecks who the the teens think are these killers uh, because they, they you know, they, they got chainsaws. They got all this stuff that looks like what Jason would carry after you. But, like, they're just two guys that are building a cabin in the woods or yeah. trying to renovate one. And these kids because they're freaking out are actually killing themselves <laughs> in front of these guys. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty, um, yeah, I can't, I, I mean, I'm excited to watch it. I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I'm just like, this is going to be fun. And, and it's got some really good death scenes. So you'll enjoy that. I mean, even though it's a horror comedy, it's, I mean, they play up the gore pretty heavy. In that horror, movie. Com- horror comedies usually do. I have not been disappointed. Uh, I think Freaky actually plays up the gore pretty well for what it does. So yeah. um, I'm looking forward later on when we have a palate cleanser when we get to Happy Death Day series because yes. I enjoy both of those. I know some people feel too is repetitive and it gets that way, but it's got some of the, my favorite like little things they do when they're poking fun at the whole like scenario. Um, Reverend, I just had a bright idea about Happy Death Day. What's that? We should do that in June since we both have June birthdays. No, that's perfect. There we go. That's what we'll do. Yay! Because <laughs> that's the whole point of the movie. Yeah. Like, it's literally uh, Tree's. Tree is one of my favorite final girls because she is such a piece of shit. And, like, you you hate her when she first shows up. And then, like, through the course of the movie, she becomes, like, because she has to earn her redemption. And when she does, she's the best final girl in, in the movies. Uh, just because of what she has to go through to get there. Oh, my God. This is going to be and awesome. I, I, I really like that. I like whenever they change the final, or that whole final girl thing up, and, like, they literally, they give you, she's the worst human being on the planet, just about, like, when you first meet her. Like, yeah. she's just awful. <laughs> she gets her redemption in a different kind of way. Well, she has to die a bunch to get her redemption. She goes through more pain than any other final girl in the history of final girls because she dies and then is reborn and dies and is reborn. Like, uh, it's Groundhog's Day is what it is. Wait, is it Tuesday? What's that? (laughs) I said, is it Tuesday? Um, no, it's not like supernatural. Damn it. Sense. No, Heat of the moment uh, isn't playing. <laughs> no, it's funny though, because every time that she wakes up, she's got one of those shitty, you know, like the little frog, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, ringtones they used to have or whatever, you know, like, uh, this one's like some little shitty, uh, Hey, it's your birthday. Why don't you pick up the phone? And like, every day she wakes up to that after she's dead. And it's like the most annoying ringtone. And like, she has to keep hearing it over and over and over, like, because that's just how her day starts. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, you, I mean, you really, when she's sitting there dragging herself through, because they, they reveal in the movie, I mean, I hate giving all this way, but I just love how they set it up. They reveal, like, she goes to the doctor one point in the movie, and every time she dies, it leaves a lingering injury in her body. Oh, so not shit. only is she just dying and re- being reborn, but like she's suffering these injuries like chronically for the rest of her life, like some, some version of them. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. She earns her redemption. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but well, we got that coming up. We got plenty of stuff to cover this season. I don't know how we're going to cover all of it, but we might have to extend the season out till 
I don't know, maybe December might be the start of zombie season. We might have to start zombie season with Anna and the Apocalypse as yeah. much as that you know, as that goes. Yeah. Well, you know what, that we don't, that's not going to be an issue. We can absolutely do that. It's, you know, it's, that's not the worst thing we're going to do, but we're doing pretty good so far. We're fitting in a lot of fucking movies into episodes. Um, and we are updating the plans as we go, which is nice. Um, so when you go into the, our pen, you know, in our death holler, um, chat, when you go to the pens, I did update, obviously, um, we updated what we're doing in March, uh, which we did. We are planning on, we talked about Bloody Valentine and Valentine um, and ending March with the Scream franchise because in March, that's when we get to review the new Scream movie. Yeah, I think that'd be good because we can cover all the movies up to that point and then, or if we if it's not out by then, if it is, we can just lump it in with the yeah. rest of them and then just cover them all at one time. Absolutely. Uh, June. And I think it's... And it's what, like this one, new one's six. So actually we could cover, I mean, in one part, I mean, I would just, you know, two part, you know, podcast, cover all the screen movies all at one time and be done with them. Yeah. So uh, we don't have anything set yet for April, but there's a ton of slashers to fill April with. But June, happy death day. But that's not going to be entirely June. That's going to be like the first or second half of June. Um, Are we going to do our typical April uh, Fools? Oh, uh, we have to. Well, there's an actual movie called April Fools Day, which is a slasher, so we have to cover that. We do, yes. That's straight up. But I mean, like, there's when are we are, are we sticking with original plans that the final girls is going to be saved for like its own thing later on or are we going to cover it because it's a horror comedy so um, i didn't know our last episode was supposed to be final girl and paying homage to uh Jamie Lee Curtis okay we can still save that one i'm just thinking of like horror comedies uh, the rise of leslie vernon we can cover that during april fools day because that that is a horror comedy and it's got actually uh uh, you know, uh, Robert England in it. So that's kind of a, you know, good little extra, you know, uh, appearance by him this season. Uh, and that's in April. Uh, we can throw that in in April. Yeah. That'd probably be the best fit for that one. Okay. Um, what is it called? Uh, behind the mask, the rise of Leslie Vernon. Okay. It's a, it's the one I was telling you about. It's like a documentary style style. You're following this, you know, Leslie Vernon. He's, he's trying to be Jason is basically what it amounts to. And he's picking his final girl and there's this film crew that's following around. And then you start questioning. It's like, how moral are these people? Cause they're literally watching him kill all these people as he's stalking this poor little final girl. And, you know, and then the tables kind of get turned on the documentary crew because, you know, he, they, he, they, they go to try to turn him in at one point and then he's like, all right, well you fucked up cause now I'm coming after you. Yeah. <laughs> and it kind of goes that direction. Um, there's okay. a good reveal too about the final girl. <laughs> I'm not going to reveal it till we watch it, but it's pretty good. Um, whew. uh, so nightmare on home street, which is funny. Actually the timeline, it can, apparently it takes place in March, which is hilarious, but we kind of have, did we? Yeah, we have something for March, don't we? The Scream movies. Well, you, you said we had movie. Scream, but I mean, if we did Scream in like, you know, the first half of the month, then I guess we could make it a Wes Craven, you know. Uh, but there's so many movies in, in Nightmare. I don't know if we can cover them all in one No, uh, we can setting. start. Because uh, we're ending February. So, supposedly we're ending February with the Scream franchise and then starting March with the new one. 
because uh, it's around the 10th, I believe, we could okay. start the Nightmare on Elm Street series in March since that's when it starts to take place. Yeah, we could do that. Okay. Because so we need to we need to cover it sometime soon. Because I mean, I don't know when the next Friday the thirteenth pops up, but we need to have covered Freddy before we, or at least partially before we do Freddy versus Jason for this. Oh, absolutely. For, you know, for this yeah. one. So. Yeah. So, and since we did so good with one through six, on this, you know, this month. It shouldn't be an issue during October. We might be able to do, it might be hard to do Freddy and, you know, Jason in, excuse me, series, like meaning multiple movies in October, but we could try to do that. Keep it real fucking, you know, authentic 80s horror during October. It's up to us. We have a lot planned because I know we have uh, Halloween. Uh, We can't do all that. There's no way. Halloween. Uh, we and the Friday the Thirteenth. So, Halloween's going to be a weird one. I don't want to cover all those movies because there's several in that series that are just dog yeah. shit. So, all right, I updated everything again. So yeah, I don't know. We got but, lo- we got lots of plans. We are really ranting. <laughs> to anyone yeah, still listening? That's just might have to cut most of this. But anyways, <laughs> I'm totally gonna cut it. Uh, plugs, uh, uh, is there the lean into it podcast? Is that a thing that's coming up shortly? Yeah. So that is a uh, blue collar BS's new, uh, new channel. Um, the channel's already available. So I'll probably post the link for that for anyone who wants to take a look. That is, we started with blue collar BS. Um, and I, I, I thought it was going to be blue collar BS too, but I think, uh, creatively, uh, they're kind of both going in 50, 50 now. So Mike, uh, came up with lean into it podcast, which is, they're always talking about leaning into it seriously. <laughs> so it was pretty <laughs> funny. So yeah, that should be coming soon. Uh, get the hubby back on his own podcast. <laughs> get the hell off of mine. <laughs> <laughs> I think he has too much fun doing these to completely abandon them, to be honest with oh, you. Oh, yeah. He can be a special guest every now and then. Uh, anything else? Is there any, like, are you hoeing it up or uh, with the, the girls, or is that kind of still on hiatus until something comes up? I know that Kayla is interested in starting up uh, Hot Mess Express again, so that may be a thing, but I'm making no promises on that. So, because <laughs> I, I like, I'm su- obviously we are consumed with Death Holler. So that's, that's our baby right there. And Hot Mess Express just got too crazy. Everyone's got different schedules, you know, and they got to come to my house to do the podcasting. And they are not interested in all at doing anything like getting the equipment to do remote recording. So, oh, that sucks. Yeah. And then, and then you all were doing all those, uh, calls uh you know to like other people and kind of doing an interview format so that kind of makes it rough to get that situated too yeah so i mean that was uh me and my bestie that was in fact the last very last episode before the channel got removed was my best friend discussing um my uh my years in high school where i was like holy crap like i there could have been a movie (laughs) written about how ridiculous high school was for i guess but the both of us Was that whenever you were with that group or whatever that, or was that a whole other podcast you were talking about all that? Oh, um, that was, no, that was on Hot Mess Express too. We did, we did get with other people to come on the podcast. Some were remote, some were in person, in studio. And, uh, 
Yeah, that was, uh, that brought back a lot of fucking, it opened up a lot of wounds for a lot of people too, which is hilarious. (laughs) That's what's, that's always what you want in something like that. (laughs) So, I mean, they were all wounds for me too, but I'm just like, I don't know, battered. So I don't give a fuck. (laughs) Thick skin. You get over it. Yeah. Anything else before we head out of here? Not that I could think of. If it's late for me, I know it's even later for you. It's, 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 it's late. I about lost my voice after this one. So <laughs> this was so fun. I, yeah, it, it was a blast having, or I mean, just going back and watching these movies there. It, it, this is the one slasher series that you can, I mean, say that the bulk of them are just fun to watch. Even the bad ones. I yeah. mean, you can't say it about all of them. So I think it was nice being able to watch a lot of them too versus having to wait for the films to come out. I know there's a good anticipation and excitement that comes along with that, but I was so into it. I was like, roll the next one, roll the next one. So it wasn't that bad. I thought six films was going to be fucking stupid, ridiculous. And it wasn't. So (laughs) the one thing that I thought would be bad and it ended up being as terrible as I thought it was because the characters are just, just enough difference to even kind of make them apart was all the various different people. It's like, okay, random person, a yeah. this way random <laughs> and it gets that way a little bit, but the, they, they do enough job with the primaries, at least, you know, the final girls and some of the, you know, their main associates that they stick out, you know? Yeah. And they keep the kills different enough that you can kind of remember, especially when we're only bulking into three films at a time. So. Yeah. And that's a lot easier way to, you know, take, you know, take it apart. So, well, with that, everybody, uh, peace be with you. And with your spirit. And happy Friday the 13th. <laughs> Yo, with your baby. Oh, what?